0: Chocolate. 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 Chocolate, chocolate. From Dame Cacao, I'm Max Gandy, and this is Chocolate on the Road, the show where we explore hot topics surrounding cacao and chocolate cultures around the world. So let's hit the road. While researching how to introduce the topic of Hong Kong, I typed, Is Hong Kong? into Google. And then let it auto complete with commonly asked questions. Some of these include Is Hong Kong expensive? Is Hong Kong safe? And is Hong Kong an island? The answers to these in order are yes, yes, and sort of. But the number one question was Is Hong Kong a country? And that one is a little bit more complicated. I'll let a local Hong Konger field that one. This is Katie Chan who grew up in Hong Kong. We did this interview at a lovely tea shop on Hong Kong Island called Tea Plantation. Before jumping into talking about the chocolate scene here in Hong Kong, could you tell me a little about the history of Hong Kong as a place? Ooh, Hong Kong in in general, right? Yeah, in general, like the history of how it
1: became Hong Kong. Hong Kong, ooh. Now it's actually a difficult question for me. <laughs> so, uh, Hong Kong, like, um, is like a fish village back then. Like, I think at was like hundred years ago. A hundred years ago. Yeah, around 100 oh, okay. each, 150 years ago, I think wow. back then. And then, um, is because of the let's say I think it's the opium war, make that um the Brit- the British like took over, kind of, like took over, you know, kind of Hong Kong, and then in the end. Um, China has to land South Hong Kong for like 100 years. They, they sign, kind of sign a treaty.
0: According to Encyclopedia Britannica, Katie's correct. During the last half of the 1800s, Hong Kong went from a Chinese trading port to a British colony. The arrangement was set to last 99 years and ended in 1997. From 1997 onwards, Hong Kong became a territory of China, ruled with the idea of Two systems, one government. So Hong Kongers actually have separate passports from mainland Chinese people. If I'm That's not wrong, crazy. How yeah. big is Hong Kong? Like how many Hong square Kong. kilometers is
1: actually, Hong Kong? Actually, actually, don't know. It's, Isn't the it's really it's small. small. Like on the map, it's like a dot. Yeah, but it's uh, it's, but it's so packed with like it's yeah, how a really high, really high, high population. I think it's almost 8 million people in Hong Kong. It's such a small small place.
0: Hong Kong is about 1,100 square kilometers of land, roughly one and a half times the size of New York City. And that's because 90% of Hong Kong is actually on mainland China. But Hong Kong has 7.4 million people versus New York City's 8.6 million. It's not the world's most densely populated city, but it's up there. And so British influence in Hong Kong, which is attached to mainland China, mm-hmm. in the, the top of Hong Kong is attached to mainland China. What influence has Britain had upon Hong Kong culture? Like, Do you feel like a Chinese person?
1: The interest, this is a very interesting question because I, I am, I'm 34 years old. I experienced uh, the British colony time. And then after the handover, it's already almost 20 years now. So mm. I experienced the whole... Now it's China, yeah. like China. China. And then back yeah. then, it was a British colony, right? Hong Kong. Yeah. So I really experienced a big change throughout that like, past... So time.
0: when you were like 13,
1: yeah, Hong Kong changed
0: hands from being a, a 19... British colony to... Yeah, 1990s. In 1997.
1: So like, it ha- I have to say it has changed a lot. Mm. Um, but Hong Kong is still very international. I have to say, like we have a really mixed culture, and then Hong Kong people are pretty open-minded to new things. And then there, we have like um quite a big community of expats in Hong Kong as well.
0: As far as chocolate goes, this means that diving into Hong Kong's developing chocolate culture isn't nearly as straightforward as Chinese tastes and influences. The blend of cultures that makes up Hong Kong is as rich and complicated as its history. And this complexity has inevitably melted into their chocolate industry. The local woman I was talking to before is actually Katie Chen, founder of the Chocolate Club Hong Kong. A craft chocolate focused business selling chocolate and doing pairings across the city. Katie started her business in 2014 after several years working for the Singaporean chocolate brand, Awfully Chocolate. She's had the fortune of being able to study and travel around the world over the years, including a year in Japan, some time in mainland China, and several years in London. When she returned to Hong Kong, she noticed that
1: whiskey and also uh, wine tasting was very popular and I was thinking oh why not i maybe i can brought you know the whole concept into hong kong there's nothing like in hong kong about chocolate tasting
0: so from the get like from the start you were interested in doing pairings and tastings
1: yeah i think like uh, up to now my um, Within, within the company, the whole business, I think I, and what I enjoy the most is the education part. To, you know, like, share my love of chocolate and, you know, to... Another thing is, like, because now, because craft chocolate is still very niche and only... Not many people know about it still, after, you know, five or six years effort. Yeah. But like I'm happy to see more and more people interested in it because I um I always in my workshop I always try to explain there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong to eat commercial chocolate. Mm. What I want to uh, let them know is to know how to distinguish what is a good chocolate, what's commercial chocolate. Yeah. Because I tell I, I always tell them I also eat Kit Kat too sometimes because this is what we grew up from.
0: When Britain gave up governmental control over Hong Kong, that in no way erased their substantial influence upon Hong Kong cuisine. Afternoon tea and the occasional Cadbury bar were still very present in most Hong Kongers' lives. Other brands have also taken a hold, but they're overwhelmingly European brands. So when Katie first started introducing craft Chocolate to Hong Kong, now half a decade ago, she had some very strong ties to contend with. Good chocolate didn't have to be European to be good. So you think giving context and doing educational seminars and pairings has had the most impact upon people's interest?
1: Yes, because I always believe in. Uh, for chocolate, chocolate is something that you really have. You need you need like interaction between people. So I I'm, I'm always enjoyed the part that to you know like explain it myself and talk talk to them. Um, And also let them taste the chocolate because I always believe for food and drinks, you have to try it to believe in it or you to, to, you know, realize, oh, that's really good. Because that's nothing you can lie (laughs) when when something tastes good. or You can see on their face. Exactly. (laughs) You cannot lie about it. So I think that's the, um, I think it's have the biggest impact in terms of that.
0: So you have now about five years of experience selling bean-to-bar chocolate online in Hong Kong. Mm. How have you seen people's demand and interest change over time? Like products that used to be popular now aren't, or new products like selling like hotcakes?
1: I think now people, people would love to try, I think, more different origins, I guess. It's like one of the brands that we have is the chocolate. So uh quite a lot of like if they know about for the peop for the people who know about craft chocolate, they usually already know the you know, origins that from like let's say South America, Central America, but not in this part of the world, which is uh kind of like let's say it's emerging markets as well, countries for cacao. It's like knowing about European
0: whiskey but not about Japanese whiskey. Yes,
1: exactly. So um so I'm really happy to you know like introduce that into the Hong Kong market as well that like people can try oh that they now realize that even you know in Southeast Asia or even in Taiwan they uh, produce very good quality cacao and also you know, you can enjoy the chocolate as well.
0: So how do people usually react to this Fuan is a chocolate maker using Taiwanese cacao? On Taiwan to make chocolate. How do
1: people react to that? They, first of all, they were very surprised that they didn't know that Taiwan can grow cacao trees. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, overall, they enjoyed the chocolate a lot as well.
0: Taiwan's complicated relationship with China is another episode entirely. But with just a 90 minute flight between them, there is a lot of travel happening between Hong Kong and Taiwan. Knowing that cacao is growing so close by is a big deal. And the fact that chocolate made from it tastes so good is even more
1: impressive.
0: But what really draws Hong Kongers to craft chocolate is...
1: Because of the health, because they know that the sugar level is much less, even no sugar. And it's a trend that people are really concerned uh, about their health. Also because of the trend of, you know, like nowadays we talk about craftsmanship in lots of different things like wine whiskey even gin nowadays or tea as well so um when i try to explain them and tell them a story for chocolate they find it pretty fascinating about that as well
0: so like the storytelling aspect of them plays a big role
1: yeah because like um there's one thing when i was doing my workshop i always I think most of the people know that was the raw material of baking chocolate, which is cacao beans. Mm-hmm. But when I show them the pot, they will find that they never know that it's a fruit. That's... They they knew it was made of cacao,
0: but they didn't realize what cacao is. Yes. That's really interesting, right? Eh? <laughs> it's especially interesting considering that Hong Kong is an island and it's attached to China, but it's really far south. It's mm-hmm. it doesn't get very cold in the winter. There's lots of tropical fruits here. Mm-hmm. You can't grow cacao, but it's interesting that with all the close, like, nearby growing regions for cacao, people don't know that much about what the fruit looks like. In Europe, which has heavily influenced Hong Kong's chocolate culture, bonbons and chocolate bars are quite common at all price levels. There's much more demand and at least a possibility of cheap rent. But Hong Kong hasn't had the same specialty chocolate revolution as in Britain. This is partly because there's never been much of a local community of chocolatiers and craftspeople to give them this pride in Hong Kong-made products. What types of chocolate are most popular in Hong Kong? The craft of the craft chocolates. Craft
1: chocolate. Um, so far, I think... I think with inclusion will be the easiest to accept. I think something like my dark chocolate with sea salt. I think pe- people really like you know, chocolate with sea salt here, or maybe some chocolate with nuts because uh, Hong Kong people tend to like nuts, nuts a lot in uh, as an inclusion for chocolate. That's it in general probably.
0: And why do you think so? Like, are nuts a popular food in Hong Kong? Like for snacking,
1: yes. Um, there's kind of like a uh, history for it because like it's one of the we try like move back to the commercial chocolate part. The most popular chocolate in Hong Kong, let's say the, it um, consists of the biggest pie in the market chocolate market share. I'm talking about in general. Yeah, is Ferrero Rocher, and uh, Ferrero Rocher we all know that is including like a uh, whole hazelnut in it, right? So uh and it's been selling in Hong Kong for a really long time. People take it as a snacks and it's also why it takes up so much of the market share is at least forty percent I'm talking about of the total market share still now, I think. After I think at least more than ten years. It's because like of course there are lots of reasons. Um because uh we in general we love nuts with chocolate and it's because of the gifts gift things is it because it's a gift set, and then because like chocolate, um, first of all, it's very seasonal in Hong Kong, and then secondly, is because people purchase chocolate mainly for gifting, not like it's like because we are not like European, we don't really have the the habit of eating chocolate bars, and um, we have the habit of let's say let's say eating chocolate as a snack, in a co- in terms of commercial chocolate but not in craft chocolate or like a chocolate bar.
2: To
0: dig into why exactly that is, I sat down with local chocolatier and pastry chef, Jeffrey
3: Koo. I'm Jeffrey Koo from uh, Hong Kong. I work in this industry for 22 years.
0: Jeffrey is an average-sized guy with a short mohawk, no hair on either side of his head, and a huge smile. He's had his own chocolatier and patisserie brand for just a few years, but before he was able to open his own shop, he was a pastry chef at Hong Kong's famous Mandarin Oriental, followed by a stint in France. Jeffrey and I met at his studio on Hong Kong Island, where he teaches classes on both chocolate and pastry. Can you tell me a little bit about the relationship between Europe and Hong Kong? Hmm and Macau, hmm. as well as the relationship with Ch- mainland China? Hmm.
3: Uh, I think uh, for, let's say in Hong Kong first, Hong Kong is a very international city. So uh, it uh, used to be, even now today, you can see many of the new brands from uh, different country. They will come to Hong Kong to open their own shop or franchise their own shop as well. So the reason is uh, because Hong Kong is uh, relieving a lot of uh, uh, different international people The, the demand is, uh, is here Second is uh, Hong Kong for importing the ingredients is quite easy going So uh, because somehow like uh, different country they are very strict on uh, importing So in Hong Kong is the uh, reverse Hong Kong you can find uh, uh, different uh, nice food from different country also, can you can import the different uh, nice food as well. So it's uh, more easy. You can, find, you can find what you need as a, sh- a chef.
0: So Hong Kong's role as a financial and travel hub in Asia has made it a great place to be a chef, but not a great place to start a business, unless you've got a lot of capital. So how has this lack of locally grown businesses affected Hong Kong? What do you think having all of these... Chocolatiers in the hotels, what do you think that's done to contribute to the reputation Mm. that Hong Kong has for quality chocolate or Mm. patisserie?
3: Uh, For example, in Hong Kong, uh, I think maybe one third they will have their own pastry shop in the hotel. Not really much because of the manpower. Mm. It's not for. uh, it's not for everything because they don't have enough manpower to producing product, to mm-hmm. selling to the shop. Uh, secondly, when you when you're in a hotel, when you have a place for a shop, mm. you have to think about uh, how to manage the people, how to selling the rest. Mm. So the more why why they are people why the hotel they don't want to have their own shop because they were using that shop to rent to somebody. Yeah. It's better like this went to a luxury shop.
0: If you didn't catch that, he said that even the local hotels, which have the space to open a locally based chocolate shop, prefer to rent to large international chocolatiers. Making their own brand just isn't worth the hassle.
3: So that, that's why when you traveling to Hong Kong, if you have hotel shopping more, mostly you will see a brick brand, yes. This is a reason, because when you have the rental, it's better than you own their own shop. People like me, maybe uh, they will open their own shop. So uh, for us, the rental is uh, too high, so we can uh, uh, affordable to have a small shop in a shopping mall. So uh, this is uh, good for us for a starting company, because our company just start for uh, three years. Then uh, we have uh, something like that, it's uh it's not easy to kinda of managing a shop to be honest. Because uh for making a chocolate, making a cakes, the margin is very low. Yeah. If you want to making a money, if you want to make a money you're not making a shop. Yeah. You will buy a property. It's better. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: Better invest in property than <laughs> invest in a cake shop.
3: So uh investing a cake shop is uh is uh, my stupid job, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, but uh, it, because my my shop is uh, me and my wife to holding this the whole thing. Yeah. So this is my my vision is to to have a shop we can uh, show to our kids. So it's not easy we can survive just uh, one shop. So that's why we have an online shop. We have a class. We have everything. Most of the Hong Kong uh, the shop you you will see many many things.
0: Yeah, I, now that you mention it, I haven't noticed any chocolatiers who are only selling bonbons mm-hmm. and bars. I've only noticed like patisseries which mm. also sell chocolates mm. and bonbons and Because
3: very products. less. Uh, not, mm, not much like in Paris, like in France, the, the patisserie, they were opening maybe their shop and then selling a bar or selling the good with the cakes. Honestly, in Hong Kong, not much, huh? like in Japan, no. So, uh, for me, for my uh, colleague, maybe only three, or three people or four people were opening uh, their own shop with their name. I think uh, Hong Kong, we don't only have a chocolate here because uh, Hong Kong, if only working with chocolate, is uh, not possible. So, mainly it's a uh, patisserie with uh, maybe some with the chocolate experience. Yes, I have to say, like this. Uh, in France, is a very specialty chocolate chocolatier. chocolate here. But in Hong Kong, is the chocolate Even the chocolate also will be have the pastry it because it have to survive. Otherwise, it's not survival.
0: It seems to me like in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. the desserts are seen as a luxury,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so unlike the shops where you can have one specialty food mm-hmm. that you make for generations. Mm-hmm. In Hong Kong, you have to keep convincing people. Mm. Like, oh, you should invest in this luxury. It's delicious and it's beautiful. Yes. Unlike food for dinner.
3: Yes. Uh, Hong Kong, yeah, Hong Kong is sure. Hong Kong is like that. Marketing is uh, key number one. Yes. Then story. Second is a story. Third is uh, maybe any names of the chef or not. This are part of the marketing. Mm. So uh, after those, will be the taste.
0: And speaking of taste. So right now, pastries like the ones at your patisserie are very popular. Mm-hmm. But what are some local, more traditional Hong Kong desserts?
3: Oh, okay. Wow, well, it's a lot. Huh? A traditional <laughs> local Hong Kong desserts like um, the soup with the red bean soup or something with soup, hop soup like the red bean uh, sweet soup mm-hmm. the sesame sweet soup, uh, red bean soup, uh, tofu, uh, sweet bean curd mm-hmm. so those are uh, very traditional because the Hong Kong people, they like after dinner they will have a local hot, local soup as a dessert mm-hmm. but the culture is changing it's, uh, now is uh, more and more a dessert bar, cakes as a dessert for a young generation Yes. What are
0: you you mentioned earlier some you made tonka beans mm-hmm. like various flavors? Yeah. What are your most popular flavors are mm-hmm.
3: in my shop I or my creation I will use uh, many a lot of uh, Asian flavor Asian touch mm-hmm. like the um, uh red date mm-hmm. like the uh, sweet vinegar
0: Sweet vinegar yeah. how
3: Oh yes very interesting huh? Yeah. sweet vinegar and uh salted cucumber Uh, dark sesame, uh, Chinese uh, tanzarine.
0: And these flavors are a huge hit, both at Jeffrey's shop in Hong Kong's K-11 Mall and in American Airlines' first-class cabins.
4: Please introduce yourselves. Hi, this is Mandy from Hakawa Chocolate. And this is Sally from Hakawa Chocolate.
5: And where is Hakawa Chocolate? Hakawa Chocolate is in Hong Kong. We start, uh, for around, uh, three years before. And after a year of preparation, uh, we are now set up, yeah, for two years business in central of Hong Kong. Gulf Street.
0: So you started in early 2017? Uh, yeah, correct. So how did you two start Hakawa? You can hear more about Mandy and Sally's origin story in last week's bonus episode, available wherever you get your podcasts. But basically, the two of them were looking for a healthy and creative endeavor, and they sort of fell into fine chocolate. But as they'd certainly tell you, bean-to-bar chocolate and bonbons are perceived very differently in Hong Kong. The concept of craft chocolate in particular is still
5: incredibly new.
0: So when you started a couple of years ago, were there any other chocolate makers in Hong Kong?
5: No. Uh, at the time, in fact, uh, there is one which is um, made raw cow. But now it has been closed.
0: And now are there any other chocolate makers in Hong Kong in 2019? There a few.
5: Yeah, there are a few. Uh, but most of them uh, were at home, but uh, not uh, in a uh, formal business setting.
0: Hong Kong's many imported European bonbons were always marketed for their foreignness and name brand. But makers like Hakawa, just two years into their shop, are made locally and have no brand equity for the general public. People may know that chocolate is made from cacao, as Katie said at the beginning of the show, but they largely don't realize that it's also being made in Hong Kong. So how
5: did people react to your chocolate when they first tasted it? I think us uh, most of them in fact quite um surprised because this is not the chocolate they used to have from the supermarket or uh, or pastry, or pastry restaurant or confectionery confessionary industry. so it is different so they will they will say, ah, oh, chocolate. Uh, It could be like this, yes. So (laughs) we try to um, uh, tell them more about uh, the chocolate, where we get them, how to make it. Uh, We try to share more information with them. For us, we want to get the customer and people know more about cacao and chocolate. And hopefully, if our productivity Gradually, our capacity build up uh, we hope we can provide some raw cacao or cacao powder for their making yeah their own making at home in future and we always encourage the customer to make chocolate at home, but we also understand it is um it takes time for them to learn how to make and to get the product out, yeah
0: so what is your first memory with chocolate when you were younger
5: we used to have two kinds of chocolate one is a uh, chocolate in uh chocolate in golden corn. corns, wrapped in golden paper for chinese new year and the other is also uh, is the chocolate uh, beans covered with uh candy yeah uh from uh, it's, it's, it's manufactured uh, from China, you think? Yeah, it's a
4: chocolate.
5: sugar, it's like, it, yeah, it's very colorful, yeah, in outlook, yeah.
4: For me, I, I have uh, tried a chocolate tablet from Philippines. Uh, my mom, uh, she she has some relatives in Philippines. Uh, they will brought back the tablet to make the breakfast with milk.
2: Yeah, that that's my as
4: memory. Tabulea? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So this one.
0: At this point, Sally reached over to the other side of the shop and showed me some balls of ground cacao. Their entire factory cafe is only about two square meters, so I do mean reached over. These cacao balls are traditionally known as tabléa or tablets of cacao. Oh
5: wow!
4: Yeah, something like that. A
5: lot of the. Fujian people, hmm. uh, southern part, southern of, China, part they, of China,
4: they live they, in the Philippines.
5: They will uh, they advance to the Philippines for work hmm. and they will bring back this uh, Philippine tablet chocolate back home, back to China uh, or back to Hong Kong Like a as, gift? A, as a souvenir and gift from Philippines. Yeah. So a lot of the Hong Kong um, Fujian people have a uh, habit to use these tablets to make hot chocolate drink, hot chocolate with egg, or uh, with oatmeal, or with oatmeal. It's a, it's a traditional, yeah, beverage.
0: Both Sally and Mandy, who are in their thirties, later remarked that aside from those gold coins from Chinese New Year and the occasional tablea, there really was no chocolate in their households growing up. It just wasn't available. So for them to open up a chocolate factory, of any size in Hong Kong was and is a big deal. What effect do you think having a retail shop has had upon your business?
5: I think it is, we, are, we are able to uh, contact with the people more directly. And so people can give us immediate feedback, our customer, and can share their views, what they like, what they don't like. Yet with us, and some of them, in fact, um, are all are also very knowledgeable an and experience, an experience uh, uh, yeah, foodie, and so they can um, share with us their advice as well. But now,
0: in Hong Kong, what is the
5: association
0: with chocolate overall? Now that you're adults and now that you're talking to people about chocolate all the time, do you think it's changed at all?
5: I, I think, um, obviously, the people get to know chocolate more and more. And in Hong Kong, in fact, it's quite convenient to get chocolate uh, from supermarket, from shopping mall, from a specialist shop. Now it is more uh, easy to reach now, I think. Yeah, when being compared with, uh, let's say, 20 years or 30 years ago.
0: Despite nearly a century of British rule, Hong Kong is pretty new to the chocolate industry as a whole. Of course, a $10 chocolate bar is a hard sell if your only concept of chocolate are cheap gold coins that say made in China, or even a box of imported bonbons. Fancy, but foreign. For Jeffrey at his patisserie, beauty comes before all. But at Hakawa, there's no previous example of chocolate bars, unless you count Kit Kats or Cadbury bars. So instead of seeing it as regular chocolate, it seems like Hong Kongers are attracted to it for the health benefits.
4: People always uh, request no sugar, no extra sugar for the drinks, or they, they always ask, is, is it very sweet? Uh, but after they taste the chocolate, they found out, oh, that that's good, but the... Uh, They always rejected the idea, too sweet. I think it is all about
5: health issue. Mm. And also for uh, some of them want to keep fit and uh, avoid too much sugar.
4: So you want to stay fit and healthy, so less sugar? Yeah. But we we will test the cacao percentage from 100% to 70-something. And we will find a point that we think the uh, profile of the cacao can be represented. So
0: when I came to visit a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you guys were using Sri Lankan cacao, but mm-hmm. now you're using a different origin. Yeah. Why did you change your
5: origins? The one of the reasons was Hong Kong people looks for different new uh things and also it is our view we want to introduce the Hong Kong customer the cacao from different origins. And so they can taste the different portfolio of different beans from different origin. So they can uh, have more um, knowledge about cacao. And hopefully we want to have a kind of stimulation so they can find out more about chocolate in different parts of the world themselves later on. Normally uh, we talk a lot with our customer when they come. And also, um, it's also because as a learning maker, we also want to make chocolate with different beans from different origin. Not until you make the chocolate yourself, you can't have a better feeling of the beans from the different origins. An understanding
4: yeah. and uh, development.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So we also want to learn more about the chocolate from different parts of the world. So we we try to introduce and import the cacao beans from different origin. Yeah, even though uh, importing uh, cacao beans from different or from uh, let's say from um, South, South America, America takes some time, but we think it's worth. Yeah.
4: Yeah, because uh, Hong Kong maybe is not a big country. Uh, used to import a lot of cacao, so like a. Uh, Ecuador is the first time to export their the cacao to Hong Kong, so they need to go through a lot of procedures before they can do the exportation.
0: Looking forward, maybe five or ten years, what do you think will be different
4: in
5: Hong Kong chocolate culture, chocolate scene? Hopefully, there are more chocolate makers in Hong Kong.
4: Mm-hmm. I think so.
5: And gradually, also, more and more people will know more about craft chocolate, 90 people in Hong Kong now, in fact, know quite well about the coffee, specialty, specialty coffee. coffee, Yeah, and there are lots of coffee shops in Hong Kong now. We hope by 5 or 10, ten years afterwards, yeah, the chocolate will have the same development in Hong Kong.
0: In every new industry, there are the early adopters. In Hong Kong's craft chocolate scene, Hilda Chan was one of these early adopters. You may know her better as My Chocolate Diary on Instagram. We met up for lunch during my visit, and I just had to ask her how she thought Hong Kong's chocolate culture had been shaped and
2: influenced. I think Hong Kong just followed the other's trend. <laughs> Hong Kong people. They know, oh uh, in the American, they buy chocolate for their lovers during Valentine's Day, and then they and then we start to do this.:
0: So you think Hong Kong people often follow what is trendy or popular? Yeah. This assessment seems pretty in line with Hong Kong's history, but globally, the trend has been towards both eating healthier and eating locally.
2: Hong Kong-made thing is good. Uh, We we always uh, emphasize, this is made in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Uh, We should support the people that they made their own products, but they love the products imported from other countries as well. Mm -hmm. They think others are better sometimes.
0: Do you think that people in Hong Kong feel like Oh, made in Hong Kong is the same as made in China?
2: No, totally different.
0: How is it different? We
2: don't really like the word made in China. We think that there are so many untruthful ingredients inside mm. that food product.
0: So even though Hong Kong is technically part of China, Hong Kongers see this designation of Made in Hong Kong as very different from Made in China. This is important because going back to that most googled question about Hong Kong, number one asked is, is Hong Kong expensive? And the resounding answer is yes. According to CNN's rankings for 2019, Hong Kong actually ties with Singapore and Paris as the most expensive cities in the world. So all of these chocolate businesses have been slow to develop in large part due to that financial aspect. In fact, most of the Hong Kong-based chocolate makers and chocolatiers I found were online only. This includes Hilda's own Renaissance chocolate brand, which she started making just last year and sells through her Instagram. So you also have a chocolate product you've been making for the last year or so. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Like When you are producing your chocolates what factors what characteristics did you think about culture
2: price uh, origin origin and now i'm using the uh, maru beans from vietnam and i start to make these products because i really love Thomas old school bar A lot when I tried that last year at the chocolate trail, yeah. And that makes me I I look at the back of the ingredients and there's only cacao beans and sugar. So I oh maybe I can do that at home. I start to try this. I buy some nibs, roasted nibs, and blend it, mix it with sugar, and try if it can get the texture like that. It's uh, pretty much the same, but uh, Mm. a little bit uh, more chopped. I think my my chocolate is so rough. So, Mm. but I hope that um, it is also a chance for people to know more about fine chocolate and the craft chocolate because they can really taste the cacao flavor Mm. in the chocolate.
0: The Chocolate Trail event Hilda referenced is the same event which inspired her love of craft chocolate several years before. It's now one of two chocolate festivals in Hong Kong, since the Salon de Chocolat started a Hong Kong showing in 2018. But I suppose it's par for the course that a European chocolate show branched into Hong Kong. As Hilda said, Hong Kongers tend to follow trends from other countries, and the world loves European chocolate. But following global trends makes sense for a place which is so global. Hong Kong is about as international as it gets. So really, eating globally is eating locally for many Hong Kongers. But the idea of how far your food has traveled to reach you, not its cultural origin, is the basis for the local war movement. And on that front, Hong Kong has a lot of work to do. Without a doubt, the biggest change my guests wanted to see in Hong Kong was the locally-born chocolate shops. As Katie said at the beginning,
1: Chocolate is something that you really have. You need you need like interaction between people.
0: And there are only so many people you can convince to sign up for a whiskey and chocolate pairing. Asking them to wander into a chocolate cafe downtown is a much easier ask. Based on the last five years... And what you've seen with your consumers, your customers, what do you think Hong Kong needs to get that push for it to develop faster or even touch more people mm. with knowledge and interest in craft chocolate?
1: I always have an idea. It's like um, the fastest or like the easiest way to deliver this, this chocolate craft chocolate message, it will be to have a settings, like coffee shop, like a cafe. To experience, because as I mentioned before, we don't really have a habit of eating chocolate every day. So the best way to you know uh, present it, it will be in a drinks form, in a dessert form as well. Mm. So people can first, first enjoy the dessert, using of course using very good quality chocolate, right? And then and then bit by bit they understand your brand, and then they will want to know more about the chocolate, like how the chocolate is made, and then also everything behind it. I always think that, that it will be uh, a point to make the change in the market as well because the chocolate tasting is the whole experience as well. That people have to, you know, visual your sensory, you have to, you know, see it, the very beautiful chocolate and uh, smell it and also taste it. I think uh, that if we have that setting, it's kind of like tea ceremony, right? So if we have those sensory settings, it will, I think people will, there'll be more people who enjoy uh, craft chocolate or want to know more about craft chocolate as well.
0: So change the context of craft chocolate as well as making it part of a habit. Yeah, exactly. I'm absolutely on board for the craft chocolate cafe in Hong Kong, preferably a place with somewhere to rest my feet after spending all day on the road. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chocolate on the Road. If you liked it, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, and share it in any way you see fit. Your support means so much to me. It really keeps me motivated to continue sharing the stories of interesting chocolate people from around the world. An especially huge thank you to Katie, Jeffrey, Sally, Mandy, and Hilda for all of your time and effort and lunches and chocolates that you've shared with me. To learn more about our wonderful guests, check out the show notes of this episode in the link in the description or on my website at damecacao.com. That's damecaca dot C-O-M. Have a wonderful day, and I hope you'll join me next time we go on the road.